0: Welcome to the Governor of the Podcast. As always, I am Abdullah, and my guest today is, introduce yourself.
1: Hello, I'm Poonam Basu. I'm the English language voice actor for Klee and Genshin Impact.
0: So first question is the obvious one, but how did you get started?
1: Um, well, I've been a professional actor for many years, and uh, I do a lot of, a little bit of everything, so stage and film, TV, uh, and voiceover is just one of those fields that I was kind of playing in and um, I think things really started changing for me in the voiceover world is when I got um, my voiceover reps with Dean Pinero Talent and and then things like really started picking up in this arena and it's voiceover has always been really special to me. I have a master's degree in children's television from NYU so like I love animation and like all sorts of just kids content and stuff so voiceover is something I've always wanted to get into. So I was really excited when things kind of started gaining some momentum in that direction and uh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and and how was it like uh, going into voiceover for the first time?
1: Um, <laughs> I'm not sure I understood the question.
0: I mean, because, because, you know, if you, if you come from an acting background, like, you know, because voiceover is completely different from regular acting. So I'm just wondering, like, was there any difficulties Going into that, going into voiceover. For the well, first I don't time. think it's
1: completely different from regular acting. Um, uh, but no, there, there, there wasn't really any, any difficulties. Um, I do. Well, I recently got, um, I'm I recently got cast in my first like anime dub for, um, love live, uh, Nijikisaki high school idol. And, um, I'm super excited cause I love anime. Um, but yeah, that was actually a little difficult. So I guess that was that maybe that's kind of what you up until now, it hasn't really been been an issue. But um, but yeah, doing anime dubs, I was like, whoa, this is this is harder than I thought. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited to learn more about this because I really love anime. Um, but but yeah, but I think um, I think to me, like voice acting and regular acting is not all that different. You know, you still break down the scene in a very similar way, and I don't know.
0: But I mean, you're creating an entire character with just your voice. You're you're imagining something with just your voice. You know, you're not physically there, is what I'm trying to to get at. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of and a lot and that's why, like, when you see a lot of celebrities doing voiceover, they they're not very good at it because they don't understand that you know you still have to act while you know doing you know doing voiceover. It's not you know, can, can you do a silly voice? It is, you have to act, you, the have character. To, you know, you have yeah. to embody that character.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I guess, I guess it just depends, uh, depends on the actor. Maybe, maybe coming from like a theater background helps since, you know, I feel like I, I feel like I, maybe it just depends actor to actor, but for me, like I approach every character the same way. And yes, like, I think absolutely. It's not just the voice. Like you, like, I embody the whole thing, which is why I actually really love playing kids like Klee or um, some of the other characters that I've done. Cause it's fun to like, get into like the body of a little kid when you're, when you're doing it. And like, I definitely, um, even when I'm doing voice acting, like there's still like, I have, for me, it's important to feel it in my whole person. Um, But yes, I do know what you mean. Like, yes, of course you have to make sure, you know, you're doing on camera acting or on stage acting you have the advantage that people can also read your body language they can you know see your facial expression of course you can't do that so you have to communicate with uh, like sounds and breaths and cadences and things like that so yes there's there's an awareness that like the only thing that they are perceiving is your auditory voice so that's it um but uh but i think uh i think i don't know maybe maybe having a sense for for like what like if you're also a consumer of what you're doing so like you know i watch a lot of animation i love like kid stuff and so maybe maybe that's also helpful in the process
0: yeah because if if you're if you're not familiar with the material then you're not going to be very good at it where it's like okay you want to do animation what was the last animated show you watched you want to do anime okay what was the last anime you watched dubbed you know so <laughs> you need yeah. to familiarize yourself with the material like Okay, you want to do commercials. Uh, what are the most popular reads in commercials right now? Go, you know? Like, you need to have a basic understanding of of what you're doing. You can't just go into this blind. Yeah. So, I mean, I, which I know that sounds harsh, but, I mean, it's the truth. Sound right?
1: harsh. I mean, I think, but also, like, if you want to get into this field, like, it's probably pretty natural that you do have an affinity for it. Like, most people don't want to do something because they don't like it. They want to do it because they love it. Right. So, you know, like a lot of people often comment that I have my hands in a lot of different pies, but it's just like, I love everything. Like I love all of it. And I always find it really interesting when I, when I meet someone who's like, oh yeah, I'm not really a theater person. Yeah. But you know, here I am. And I'm like, what, why are you doing theater? If you don't like it, like go do something else (laughs) or like, oh yeah, I just got this voiceover audition whatever. And I'm like, do you like this? Because if you don't like it, don't do it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, I think, I think they all kind of go hand in hand. Like, if you like them, like the medium, and you you know pay attention, you're going to be drawn to the content anyway, just as a as a viewer or a consumer of the product. And then, yeah, if and when as an actor you get called in for an opportunity, then you kind of already have a little bit of like a sense for what the world is that you're creating, that you're a part of.
0: And what do you love and hate about what you do?
1: Um, <laughs> love and hate about what I do. Um, well, this is a very interesting question because I have always believed, I have a philosophy that the field that you should go into is the field where you can handle the bullshit the best because every field has bullshit, everything um you know education like business everything has bullshit and like it's not really about what you're good at but it's the place where you can handle the bullshit and um and for me entertainment I think made the most sense because of that kind of flip um and so you know like there's a lot of rejection (laughs) in being an actor and um and that's probably the hardest part um when I first got into into acting, I was very lucky because somebody gave me this really wonderful advice, which was treat every audition like a performance. So it's not like an interview. It's not, you know, it's different. It's a it's an opportunity to perform. So you go, you perform, you leave your soul on the floor and then you're done. And that's it. You move on. Like but getting cast is kind of a separate thing. It's not really about it. It's about going in there and performing. And that really helps with the re- rejection portion of it, because if you go in there thinking it's a, it's an interview, then you're like really obsessed with like, did I get it? Did I get it? Did I get it? It's about like that moment of booking. Um, but it's really difficult to do, especially, you know, when you really want to book it, of course, and that's always the point of it. But it's a really good kind of exercise to kind of detach yourself a little bit from the outcome and just focus on what you love. Um, so yeah so the to answer your question the worst thing is 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 the rejection and kind of you know being easy on yourself and gentle with yourself and you know when you eventually mess up or fail or whatever you do you, you know just being really kind to yourself and and uh reminding yourself why you're doing it which is the other part of your question which is what do i love and i just i love performing i love just being in the moment, allowing, like, just that, that kind of, I don't know how, there's different ways to describe it, but I guess, like, like, the character to kind of, like, flow through you, like, just, like, really connecting with the material, and just letting it kind of being, like, the vessel through which it kind of takes life, it's just, there's nothing like it, it's magical. Um, I also really love the collaborative nature of being an actor, like, whether it's film, Um, or voiceover or anything like, you know, there's, you know, it's easy to think that there's like other people kind of who are the authority or so to speak, but, and, and to a certain extent, of course, that's true, but there's, there's also an element of collaboration and an actor's job is so lovely and important because yes, you have to like meet certain criteria, but you also, you bring an essence of yourself that no one else can do. So like other people may be able to bring their interpretation of the character, but you have an opportunity to bring your interpretation and who you are and your own very special, unique brand of whatever. And, um, and it's just lovely to watch that dovetail with other people's visions and other people's ideas. And then like, I don't know, the creative process is just so juicy and fun.
0: And out of all the characters you've done, which one would you say was the toughest? The
1: toughest? The toughest? Hmm. think about this let's see the toughest I mean Rakshata and Love Live was tough because of that whole I was not prepared for how difficult anime dubs are <laughs> I'm learning so much I love that so that was difficult in a very technical way which I love because I love being challenged and I love learning things new I think that's so important to always be learning and stretching and growing and then um I guess Gisu from Psychonauts 2 was interesting because um she has a very slight accent. And so that was something I had to work on um quite a bit um to kind of make sure I was getting like the right like mix of the accent um in there. And uh and so that was that was kind of a challenge. Um we also worked on that for so many years. So it was really interesting, like being called in after like long chunks of like not doing anything um and so that was really interesting to be like oh yeah and then they'd play back some some stuff we recorded before and have to listen to it and be like oh yeah that's what it was and then like tap back in and find that cadence again find that balance of the American accent and the Middle Eastern accent and then find the place in my register where that was you know and so that was that was probably a little bit of a challenge um yeah
0: and how did you get involved in Genshin?
1: It was just an audition. Uh, I just got an audition and, uh, and I loved it. Even from like that moment, I read the breakdown and saw the lines for the, the sides for the audition. I was like, oh my gosh, this girl, Clee is just the best. She's so smart and precocious and powerful and strong, but she's also a hundred percent an innocent little kid. And I just love that so much about her. So much fun to play.
0: And how long was the average record session for that? Um
1: It varied. Um, but like I think the first couple that we did were probably like, you know, we did a like four hour sessions. Um and then like, you know, we get called in like for shorter sessions here and there.
0: And does does it feel weird like coming back for you know, being a part of something ongoing as Genshin, like a big ongoing project like this?
1: Oh, no, I love it. I love to see how the world is just growing and expanding. And the cast is so amazing for Genshin. It's been such a fun ride, like meeting everybody. And like, as the world expands, and more and more actors, like join the cast. And it's been really, really fun, like just watching you know watching the game grow watching like more people kind of come into the Genshin family and like meeting them like some of the actors are so incredible I really admire them and um yeah no it's been it's been really cool being a part of something ongoing I'd I loved I'm, I'm curious to see how like how big it gets and how long it goes um yeah
0: I mean it was like the most popular game ever I think <laughs> like you know <laughs> like the amount of money they made like was just unheard of. I yeah. <laughs> and does it feel weird like um with the lore, you know, does 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 that ever get confusing because it's ever, it's constantly changing and there's constant you know, factions and characters you got to keep track of. Was that ever challenging keeping keeping track of it all?
1: Um I mean not not as an actor, not as Klee, No. Um that's always Pretty clear, I think, but um, but yeah, just just watching it as like, like I, I have a really hard time playing video games. I didn't grow up playing video games, so like my coordination for that is really really bad. So I watch a lot of gameplay, and I watch like my partner play, and I made my partner get clee, <laughs> so I could watch specifically, so I could watch him play Klee <laughs> Um, but I think it's I think it's really fascinating, and and it's hard like there's like if the world is really big so it's hard to keep track of it as somebody who doesn't play it like herself i think but um but as an actor like when they call me in and stuff then no that that's that part's not because they usually i mean you know they explain everything that's going on in the moment in the scene and the world and stuff and so you're like oh okay cool you just jump in
0: does it feel weird hearing yourself in things
1: no, it doesn't for me I know a lot of actors are kind of weirded out by that but it it actually it doesn't feel weird I think um definitely I used to be really hard on myself I think I'm a little bit less hard on myself now because I hear things and I'd be like oh that sounded awful or oh like that's oh, why did I do it like that or like you know um but I don't know. I think somewhere along the lines, I learned to let go and just let things be what they are and know that I'm the type of person that always gives a hundred percent and always does her best. And of course I'm always growing and changing. So something I did like five years ago is going to sound weird or, or if it's an on-camera thing, it's like, yeah, like you shot that movie two years ago. Of course you're, you're different now. And, you know, but at the time that was the very best that you could do and it was good and it was great for what it was and, you know, be gentle.
0: And What are some of your favorite uh Klee quotes?
1: Mm. Um, well, I am a pluviophile, which means that I love and thrive in like rainy weather, so I love the rain lines, like the <laughs> <laughs> lucky
0: all oh my new bombs are waterproof.
1: <laughs> um, and then the
0: <gasps> when I blow up, oh, it's just thunder and lightning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, and then I also love the lines where she's like, oh, what is it? I can't remember it off the top of my head. Um, She's like, what do you mean it's child labor? What even is child labor? Does that mean I can't help? <laughs> I just think it's so cute. I just love her. She's adorable.
0: And uh, how was it? like the fan reception because you know I, I don't think when you oh. went into this you expected it to be as big as it as big as it is
1: oh my goodness no <laughs> I totally it completely shocked me um it was amazing I routinely say that I have the best fans in the world because I really really do um the community is just so Sweet and kind and receptive and supportive. It's incredible how nice and supportive everyone has been. And um, I love how much joy character of Klee like brings to people. Like people tell me all the time, just like how listening to her voice lines makes their day and things like that. And it just makes me so happy that I can be a part of spreading joy in the world. I just love that. And um, and yeah, and like. They've been so great about other projects I've been in and supportive and like rooting for me. And they're just really nice. And I love the way they interact with each other. Like it's rare to find someone who's like unkind, which is just so rare to find in any fandom. Like I I feel very, very lucky to, to have such a wonderful fan base.
0: I mean, you know, for the past two years, um, I can't imagine working on something like this was, was easy because, you know, everyone was kind of going through, you know, the nightmare that is, that is the current year. (laughs) And, uh, I was just wondering like, how, how, how was, how have the past two years treated you?
1: Um, I am definitely one of the lucky ones. I feel like in terms of, um, you know, being, um I'm also a screenwriter, and um, being a voiceover actor and a screenwriter, I felt like i I felt very, very lucky during the pandemic and everything was shut down, but writing and voiceover work were still moving and still going and um, and I was really I just felt very fortunate to be a part of that community. Um, and also i I loved how creative the artistic community um became with like all the restrictions and everything like you know there was definitely an element of like oh my gosh we can't do anything we can't go anywhere and then there was like this this surge of like you know what you we're artists like this is what we do like we are gonna do it and then just to see like just the amount of amazingly creative Content that came out of the pandemic—it just blows my mind. Like, people got really creative with what we could do in quarantine, and like, I, um, I recorded several projects during the quarantine for voiceover work, and like, it was so fascinating to me how different every production was, and like, it was beautiful. It was beautiful to see how different people were approaching the problem and finding different solutions to, you know, the restrictions and everything. And I loved it. Like, um, I did. Uh, uh action pack for netflix and they sent like a whole like rig to me like they're like here's the microphone we want you to use here's this here's that and then like you know we shut we we recorded that from my my apartment and then there was another project i did which i loved this beautiful sci-fi anime pilot called uh life after bob it's definitely one of my favorite pandemic projects and yeah they also um you know it that was like in the heart of 2020 and we all wore masks and like they sent an engineer to my house and like, you know, like he brought his stuff and like he, he helped do every record everything from my place. And I mean, it was just it was just crazy. It was wild to see like how different how differently everyone approached it but everyone was getting things done you know they were like no we're not gonna let this stop us we're gonna move on like these are our these projects are our babies like we gotta get them out there and they did and and it was just really lovely to be part of of those uh of those projects
0: and what was the most uh like fulfilling project that you worked on
1: fulfilling hmm in voiceover or like anything anything Hmm. Uh, specifically during the pandemic or
0: or like, a- anything. Recently? Like any any, any, any oh, okay, <laughs> the most
1: fulfilling project ever in my life. <laughs> so far. Um, okay. Fulfilling project ever. This is a tough one. I feel like I'm one of those people that's like that's like a hundred percent in love with whatever their current project is. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll give you, give you a feel like, I I don't know if I could just pick one, but I know that I, I know that being a part of the Genshin world is definitely like very, very rewarding one, because I love playing little kids and Klee is just, she's just the best. I just love her so much. And I'm so, so grateful to play a character like her. And, um, and then like we talked about the fan base that kind of came with it surprisingly has just been so rewarding um, just to get to know people around the world and to know that like my work is being perceived and consumed and, and loved by so many people. And, and it's just been, I mean, it's like every actor's dream, right. To like, to like know that, that what the work that we do matters. So that was like vastly fulfilling in, in that regard. Um, life after Bob, I got to play three characters, young Chalice and Bob, um, who's kind of like the AI that she was born with. And, um, in this, like, it's like this futuristic kind of dystopian sci-fi world. And, um, and she was also really just, she's, she's also a little, little kid like Clee, but she's, you know, she's not as chipper. (laughs) She's not as like she but she's still a kid and so that was also really really fun and it was cool I love sci-fi so it was really cool to be a part of it and and um and uh Ian Chang the 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 director and the creator of all of this was like he's just he's got such a fascinating brain so that was really fulfilling in terms of the collaboration like I remember when they first brought me on we just had these great discussions about you know about children and child development and you know futures and and ai and and sci-fi and all these like really interesting you know conversations and and so it was just really cool to be a part of um to be a part of a project that was like kind of collaborative in that nature and um and then um i was part of the ugly dolls movie that was super fulfilling as well because um kelly asbury who's the director um was my all-time favorite animation director he directed Shrek 2 which is like my all-time favorite movie probably well again I have a list <laughs> um and um and to work with him was just like the greatest shock and honor of my life like I was just like oh my gosh but I I worked with him beyond the scenes for for like while they were de- like developing the movie and making everything and um I did a lot of scratch vocals for Moxie, the, the main character. And I got to play her at the table read with the producers and everything before they brought um, Kelly Clarkson and, and everyone in. And it was just so incredible, not only to play a character like Moxie, who's so totally my personality, like amazing, but also just being a part of the process and like seeing how everything works and working with Kelly Asprey, who's just the coolest um, and um, and yeah, and then and then at the end, like he was very, very kind and um and found a couple of parts for me in the movie. um And yeah, it was just amazing to be a part of that, like just learning so much. So, yeah, that was also very, very fulfilling. It's a great memory.
0: And have you ever gotten the chance to meet any of your fellow Genshin uh, castmates? Have I ever? I'm sorry. Can you say that again? Have you ever gotten the chance to meet any of your fellow Genshin castmates?
1: Yes, I did. I love my Genshin family so much. Um, we, we did look a picnic uh, last summer. I think it was last summer. Yeah. So we did a picnic last summer. So I got to meet a bunch of people in person. And then um, every month, a bunch of Genshin actors get together and play Among Us. So virtually we get to like hang out a little bit. Um, it's always like a different group every, every time. But, um, but that's been really wonderful to just meet new people and like play. And then um, started seeing some more people at conventions. So I think a bunch of us were at the, um, what was it? Anime Impulse convention in January. And so I got to meet a bunch more people in person. And we did a panel together. Yeah, they're amazing. It's like such good peeps who are part of the Genshin cast. I love the
0: Genshin cast. Who's was your favorite out of the book of the group
1: my favorite what I can't pick up favorites i I love everybody uh, I have a special place in my heart for Jean stephanie Sutherland um she was definitely one of my first friends and 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 just the Jean and clean dynamic is so special and and of course. Karina Becker, they were the first ones to find me on TikTok. And after they like, they shouted me out, my, that's how like all the fans found me basically. So very grateful to them. Um, I, I, everyone everyone is so great. Erica Harlecker, I love her. She's like just, she just, she's like a ray of sunshine. Um, Jenny Yokobori who plays Yoimiya. Oh my gosh. She's, she's amazing. Um, before... Klee and Yoimiya met at the Iridori festival, Yoimiya, or Jenny, <laughs> reached out to me and was like, oh, let's, let's make like a, a duo print for whatever, for we did like some streamly signings or whatever. And we're like, wouldn't it be so great if Yoimiya and Klee met in person? And I'm like, yeah, that'd be amazing. And then it happened and we were like, oh my God. I was like, Jenny, you're psychic. <laughs> oh, I love, love her. Um, yeah. Sarah and Zach I don't know I could go on and on everybody everybody in Genshin is amazing
0: <laughs> I mean it's it's such a phenomenal cast and the fact that they're still adding people to it is just oh, yeah oh boy <laughs> yeah
1: it's great
0: and I'm, and I'm still waiting on you know when uh, your Lowenthal's character is supposed to be playable because we're we're still waiting on that <laughs> <laughs> You know, one of the things I I feel, if there was ever a positive to come out of the pandemic, it's that um, people formed communities via either projects that they worked on or just, you know, finding each other online. And I feel like, you know, right now, we kind of need a strong community now more than ever. And I kind of like seeing that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's really really lovely, actually. I feel like, um, you know... There were a lot of things that were very, very difficult, of course, during 2020 and 2021, but as the world opens up, I really kind of appreciate the hybrid world that we're in right now, you know, like, you know, we're keeping a lot of things like Zoom and things like that, where we can connect virtually with people, which gives us a lot, like a lot more range, like we can connect worldwide, we can connect over time zones, um, it gives us freedom to be where wherever we need to be, but still continue to, you know, show up for our jobs or other obligations or whatever. Um, but then, yeah, and then cautiously, you know, the world is opening up and we are getting together in person and and we have more of an appreciation for just how lovely things are, to, like how lovely it is to to be in the presence of another human being. Like, it's just, you know... I hope we can carry that with us for a long time. and Remember how special and um, yeah, how lovely and unique it is.
0: It's crazy to think that, you know, two years ago, everyone was stuck at home and just being around another human <laughs> being in person just felt so foreign to a lot of people
1: yeah i mean i i made i made a whole video called the Hug Force <laughs> in twenty twenty because I was all alone and I just wanted a hug and um I had a friend that I was like a neighbor with and she um she was amazing and she i was we were social distance walking our dogs and uh and I was like freaking out because like i hadn't had a hug or like been touched in months i think and she was like, just watching me kind of like melt down. And then she was like, just come here. And she just pulled me into a hug. And I was like, oh my gosh. And that's how she became part of my quarantine. And, um, and then I got this idea for this, this, this movie called Hug Force. And so I made a mock trailer about like how the world shut down. And, and then the government came up with this thing called the Hug Force. And, you know, they will find you and they will hug you. (laughs) And my friend, Sabrina, who was the one who gave me a hug, she and I like worked on it together. And so I got all the footage, she helped me edit it together. And yeah, it was just this ridiculous, hilarious mock trailer for a crazy movie called The Hug Force. And, um, and yeah, I I called up all my friends who are also sad and bored at home. And I was like, my actor friends, and I was like, shoot yourself doing this and shoot yourself doing that. Like, you really need a hug, or you're really going crazy, or you're upset about no toilet paper. And so they would shoot on their phones, these like little videos, and we just edited it all into my, (laughs) into my little movie. It was fun.
0: See that that's the type of creativity, like we kind of need more of like just just being like, Hey, you know, w- even though we're all stuck at home, we can still work on stuff together.
1: virtually. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, there's another project I did too, like that where we um, my friends and I made these bite-sized thrillers, like these little thriller series. And it was a hundred percent like shot on zoom only zoom. It's like a zoom thriller. And it was these three best friends who like would get together Um and celebrate a birthday and it was like different timelines and um and every time they do a birthday like something would go wrong or someone would die but it was all shot on zoom (laughs) and and uh as the series continued we got more and more bold with it but the first few like I just edited it myself like an iMovie and then like as we got more into it we started like we got like a vfx friend to come like do some vfx for us with the zoom footage and then we got some other editors who are like more advanced that could uh, do more cool things with it, so it kind of took on more of a life of its own. But it all started with this. Yeah, we're all stuck on Zoom. We're all feeling Zoom fatigue, but this is the only way we can like reach out to the world. And so, yeah, we came up with this this little thriller series
0: called Parallel. Do you ever get burned out working on so many projects?
1: Oh my gosh, yes. I feel like I have come to terms with the fact that like that's kind of like it's like my inner clock is like that it's like i am go 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 and then i'm like oh my god i need like a month off (laughs) and then i'm like oh my god like this is great and i do like 50 million things at once and then i'm like okay now i need to rest for like a month (laughs) but that's i realized like instead of being hard on myself and being like oh like you know, stop it. Like, stop doing it like that. I'm like, you know, I think this is like kind of my pace. Like, this is just how I am. And that's okay. As long as I am taking care of myself and recovering, like, yeah, it's just kind of how I work.
0: And how <laughs> but do yeah, you, I, can, I mean, how do you balance like, uh, you know, your work and personal life?
1: That is an ongoing challenge. I think everyone has that ongoing challenge. I think, um, but I think ultimately I like to use my emotions as my compass. So I know that I'm balanced when I'm feeling like joyful and at peace and energized and all of those kinds of things. Or even when I'm tired, I can still be happy and joyful even if I'm tired. But as soon as that emotional thing goes into somewhere else, that's when I know I need to switch into like self-care or more personal things or more personal interactions and stop doing so much work um, and like pull back, see my friends, see family, you know, hang out with myself, all of that kind of stuff. But I use, I use my emotions as my compass for kind of guiding that, that delicate balance.
0: What, what do you mean by that?
1: So, yeah, so like when generally, like, you know, if I'm feeling good, happy, joyful, peaceful, then I know I'm on track. Like things are good. This is a good pace. This is everything's fine. But as soon as my kind of emotional compass like switches into like frustration or, you know, irritation, anger, like, I'm like, okay, something is off balance. I need to like recenter. I need to like recalibrate to my, my personal like center. And so I usually all of that happens when I'm overworked or overburdened or overwhelmed. So usually it means, okay, I need to step away from my work and re kind of reconnect with my life. I need to reconnect with myself. I need to reconnect with my dog, my friends, my family. And then once I do that, I get my emotions back up to like, okay, yes, I'm steadily in the range of joyful, hopeful, happy, uh, peaceful, then I know I can like go back to, you know, go back to the work and the grind. And uh, yeah, that's kind of how I try to balance things is like, okay. And so it's like, If I if I try to push through those feelings too much, like oh I'm super overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, I'm irritated, I'm annoyed, and I try to push through, and like oh I gotta I gotta go, I gotta go, keep keep working, keep working, God push through, push through. That's when I get really burnt out and like really like you know my body starts stops working properly, like all sorts of things go wrong. So that's why I've learned to use my emotions as the compass because then it's like before it gets too bad into like the really bad stuff, I can kind of be like oh hold on, you are consistently feeling frustrated, overwhelmed, irritated. That is not a good sign. Let's stop it right now. Recalibrate, ease that tension, get back, get back to the top of your game. Okay, now go back to work. And it's much more efficient. I get way more done. And, um. and yeah, And I, I don't, like, I don't completely burn out the way I used to.
0: So it's kind of like a video game where you know you get an indicator of like okay you're not you know you're not doing so hot you know you need to to stop and cool down before you know yeah. you burn yourself out.
1: I love that analogy. Yes, that's exactly what it's like. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that's so funny, huh? I live my life like a video game. That's so cool.
0: Because you know I play a lot of video games and you know, the health bar is like the, the indicator of like, okay, you're doing well. And if it's yeah. like, it go, and if it goes to zero, then you're done. And that's, that's basically it. life.
1: <laughs> oh, that's another great line that I love for Cleese, where she's like, I did it. Oh, no, I did it. <laughs> it's like one of her death lines. <laughs> anyway, but yes, I totally, yes, that's exactly it. You totally hit the nail on the head. Like that's, that's exactly what it is. It's like before it gets all the way down to zero, stop. It's not worth it. Just get yourself back where you need to go and then go back and keep doing what you need to do.
0: Also, like life is short and I've learned the hard way that no project or or any project is worth um, burning yourself out for.
1: Yeah, that's a tough lesson, but it's it's very true. It's a very 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 true statement. I 100% agree with you. And it sucks that like so many of us, you know, have to learn that lesson the hard way and like we have to go through so many like just destroying ourselves over and over again for other things and other projects and other people's things only to realize like it's not worth it. Like it's just it's just not worth it. But it is one of those lessons that once you do learn it, it really is life-changing just it really opens things up for you in a way that you know you just can't when you're kind of in that mindset
0: oh no I I I, um I think I mentioned this before in a previous episode but I reread some like old comic book scripts that I had written and a lot of them were terrible because I was just rushing through them I just had to get something done and I'm like oh Mm -hmm. god this is this is horrible because I was at that point in my life where I was just like rushing through everything Mm -hmm. and just working on various different projects like I wanted Mm -hmm. to get like something off the ground and it just didn't work and looking at the stuff that I did get off the ground I was like yeah this is not very good because you were just rushing it you were like (laughs) it was unhealthy it was really unhealthy."
1: no I think that's such a good yeah No, it's it's a huge lesson. And I think so many people struggle with that lesson across across the board, like, you know, artists, definitely, but also just general, like everyone, I think, has that kind of that struggle, especially in our hyper capitalistic world that we live in, like, you know, it's just this go, 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 grind, 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 like this is the way it is. And it's like, no, 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 we're actually more efficient, more productive. We create even better things when we come from a place of, you know, connection and, you know, the positive things. Like when you're in that good connected place, you're not just like pushing through, grinding through. Like that's when you create like, okay, products. (laughs) But the good stuff comes from like connection. It comes from like, yes, like I'm feeling good. Like that's when that's when things really, really happen. And that's when things get really fun too. We were talking about um, like the collaborative nature of art and stuff earlier. And like, that's that's it. Like when you get a, a bunch of people who are really centered and aligned and like tapped in, oh my gosh, the cool creative forces that come into play. It's just amazing. It really, it does feel like magic.
0: You know, again, one of the things I, I learned over the past two years is that, you know, as much as you love a project sometimes it is okay to walk away mm-hmm. and sometimes it is healthy to walk away from, yes. from things because you know if you if you worry too much about it and you focus too much on it then you know it's just going to it's just going to not bring you joy and it's going to be a pain and yeah there are tons of projects that i just walked away from that i kind of felt bad at first because it's like okay i worked on all these stories and they're you know will forever be unfinished but it's like it's okay, you know. I don't have to force it anymore, mm. especially during the pandemic. You know, when it first started, I was like working on a project, and I just emailed someone who was uh, emailed the person I was working with, and I said, "Look, I, I, I don't feel like I'm I'm at that point where I I'm comfortable working on something right now, so I'm gonna have to walk away." And he's like, "Yeah, I, I totally understand. It's completely understandable."
1: Yes. No, I think that's so good. And I, I commend you for, for having the perspicacity to notice where you are and understand and 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 advocate for, for yourself and for your needs. I really hope that that's also something that we all collectively carry with us um, as we move forward from the pandemic and the world starts to open up again. I hope we all remember how vital it is to to trust someone when they say I don't have the capacity to do this or I need more time or you know I know this was what we decided on but you know what things came up and like I'm not in a place where I can push through I need you know x y and z and I feel like a lot of people did understand that during the pandemic and like bosses were a lot more understanding and they like heard people. And like, everybody was kind of dealing with something. And so everybody was more compassionate. And I feel like we are losing a little bit of that people are starting to get a little bit more like, well, you still have to do this, you you know, and I just I really hope that enough of us can kind of keep that going, keep that trust that, you know, we all have to, we have to advocate for ourselves. Like, I just, you know, I know in terms of mental health, I feel like there was a really big turning point during the pandemic where, you know, it became okay, basically to be like, I don't feel good as in like, I'm super anxious, or I am depressed, or, you know, like mental health reasons not to do anything, whereas even just a few years ago, it was like, if, if you were in a position like that, where mentally, you just could not. You would have to give a physical thing to call in sick from work, you know, like be like, oh, like my stomach is upset. Okay, well then you can't come into work. Or I have food poisoning. Okay, then you can't come into work. Oh, I have the flu. Okay, you can't come into work. But it's like, oh, but I'm like too anxious to leave the door. Yeah, you still have to come into work. <laughs> it's like, uh, no, I don't know if you understand how debilitating anxiety is. Um, but I feel like things kind of changed because the world collectively was dealing with like a collective anxiety problem, you know? And so I think people began talking about it more and it became more common to just be like, I can't, man, like, I just, I can't. And people were like, okay, like, we get it. And and then, you know what happened? The project still got done. Things worked out. And I think that was such a huge lesson for us to carry with us as we kind of come out of things slowly. Um, and I hope we don't forget it. I hope, you know, we don't go back to, that really toxic culture we had before.
0: I mean, it's interesting you bring that up because um, I remember listening to an interview with um, Gray Delisle and I remember her like being blatant, you know, talking about a session where she was recording via Zoom and, you know, was in the height of the pandemic and, you know, she just broke down. She just, you know, started crying and said like, you know, I can't do this. I'm sorry, you know, blah, 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 blah. And, and um. And, you know, but, you know, she, she pushed through it and, you know, you know, gray being gray, you know, she uses humor to, you know, to cope with that. But, 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 you know, listening to that made me realize like, you know, even the people whom, you know, you look up to growing up are still human at the end of the day and they are going through the same shit you're going through and there are going to be tough times. There are going to be times where, you know, you just break down and you want to you know give up on everything but and but and it is hard to move forward. I know I say this a lot like you know we got to keep moving forward, but it is hard. It is so hard. It is like you know, it's it's one of the hardest things to do. You know, a, you know, admitting you have a problem and then b, you know, moving forward from said problem are just easier said than done in my opinion. But you know, if I learned anything from the pandemic is it's that it's always darkest before the dawn.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think uh Yeah, I think I think there was as much as as much I don't know, horribleness <laughs> that went down during the pandemic. There were a lot of vital, life-changing, society-changing epiphanies that happened, and I think it's really important that we continue to talk about it, continue to you know, collectively kind of hone in on priorities, like prioritizing, like you said earlier, prioritizing health, prioritizing mental health, prioritizing well-being, family, whatever it is over projects, like deliverables, products. Like I think that's really vital for like the health of a society as a whole. And um, I think we kind of tapped into understanding that a little bit. Um, and yeah i think i think we can obviously go further and we should and i just you know but all of that kind of comes down to tapping into your own well and your own well-being and your own kind of set of values and learning to really prioritize what matters to you and then and then we can kind of start aligning aligning things in our communities and our societies and you know even bigger globally um but
0: yeah But I mean, it's it's not going to be easy. I mean, because you know, we we spent the last two years like adjusting to the new normal, and now we got to adjust to another new normal. And it's like, okay, but when do we get to okay? This is this is normal now. This is like what life is. You know, can we can you know can we just have like some semblance of normalcy, please?
1: (laughs) Well, I think I mean, I think that that is actually a really integral question that I think we all need to ask ourselves is what is normal there's never really been a normal and like everybody everybody describes normal as different and so I think what we're actually striving for when we kind of reach for quote unquote normalcy is that we need to find we need to find that um that sense of balance within ourselves Because the world around us, the only only constant that is actually out there is change. And sometimes it's volatile, like during a pandemic, but it's still constant even when there's not a pandemic. And really finding that stability is an inside job. It's that it's the practice of seeking out and striving for stability within yourself, by yourself, so that no matter what is happening externally, you can tap into it and that's when we prioritize that kind of well-being that's when collectively the community can really like rise up and face anything you know but that is like you said like it's not it's it's not easy <laughs> and you know it takes it's definitely going to take time but i i feel like i feel like these kinds of ideas and topics and conversations are becoming more and more common after the pandemic than before and um, and I think that shows a sign of of really like deep fundamental change and potential for growth. Um, and of course, it's not going to change overnight, but I do think we're there's an opportunity here to like really drive this
0: ship in the right direction. You know? I mean, who knows? Maybe I I, I can't. You know?
1: <laughs> You're like no. I think everything sucks.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't even know anymore. Like so, sometimes, you know. I mean, sometimes the world looks like, okay, we we, we might be, you know, might be stable. And then sometimes everything just feels like it's on fire for forever. Mm-hmm. You know? And I mean, um, I like, honestly,
1: well I, well, I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I'm a millennial and I'm like, we have lived through so much crap. <laughs> like throughout our, like lives and our adult lives and then and then the pandemic on top of everything and but just like in terms of like just everything like politics economics like pandemics and just everything everything it's like I feel like that is why I so I so believe in this idea of like you really can't control the circumstances around you but you can control yourself and how you react. And if you are able to find that stability and normalcy within yourself, then every time the world is on fire, and those of us who have lived through many a fire know, there is, it, like, you do survive and tapping into that survival, like, not and like a fight and flight survival instinct, but like that, like, that deep, deep understanding of like the only constant is change and we're going to continue to go through and being that the only constant is change, doesn't just mean things change for the worse. That also means that things change for the better. It's just things are always changing. That is the thing that we can definitely depend on. And if that's the thing we depend on, then finding the stability is not external, it's internal, you know?
0: No, I totally agree because coming to terms with change, even the smallest change has been, has always been hard for me, but It's something I I am still learning how to adapt to because you have to because there is no change is constant change is always gonna happen like I look at my life now and compare it to like five years ago and like so much stuff has happened between now and five years ago that it just feels like you know I feel like a completely different person looking back at at who I was five years ago compared to now. Oh my gosh.
1: I know. It's wild, isn't it? It's it's so wild. I um I'm in New York for the summer and um I, I went to college and, and got my master's out here and everything. And um I still consider New York home and I'm by coast, so I'll go back and forth, but I'm usually in LA. But the other day I I like grabbed a coffee and sat in Washington Square Park, um, like right by NYU, which is where I went, and I was looking around at all the little freshmen coming in and I was like oh my god like that was me so long ago (laughs) and it's just wild to think about it because in a certain way college doesn't feel like it was that long ago but then it really was and then you look at like the new fresh-faced kids and stuff and you're just like whoa like so much has happened I am I am so much the same but also so so different and yeah it's really interesting like there's a there's a simultaneous like I remember this And also uh, like distance, like that is so, so not who I am anymore. And like, it's just wild to like, look at it and think about it. And, and yeah, it's, it's cool though. It's fun. It's fun. I, I like, I like looking back and kind of taking, I don't know, score is not the right word. Taking account of where i've been and what i've been through and how i've changed it's it's really interesting
0: i feel like you have to do that because if you don't know you know if you don't keep track of the mistakes you've made in the past then what's to stop you from repeating them mm. yeah. which is something i'm you know constantly doing i i know i you know i i mean i talked about this before so sorry if you're a long time listener but you <laughs> know i i used to be you know very you know, a completely different person than i was than, than I am now. And, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard for me to look back on, on, on some of the old stuff I did because I mean, I used to be abusive. I used to, you know, hurt a lot of people and, you know, I still think about that sometimes and, and, and I still feel remorse for my actions and,
1: Hmm. and
0: yeah, but, but I mean, I, I, I feel like I have a better understanding of who I am now as opposed to, where I was in my twenties, because I was angry in my twenties. I was angry at everybody, at, at the world, at, at everybody, and and I, you know, would usually just use that anger to lash out on on other people and alienate them. And I was just, just like very antagonistic and just getting involved in the stupidest, the stupidest things imaginable. And it just feels weird to me looking back and and, and remembering, like, oh, you, you know, oh no, I used to be that person, and yeah. I'm not anymore.
1: Yeah. And I get that. I, I, I think the 20s, it's a 20s are a really interesting time. You know, there's like a weird narrative in our society. It's like the 20s are the best time of your life. And I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I, don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of a weird, false narrative. I think 20s, a lot of us went through that phase in our 20s where, you know, we were really, um, yeah, like angry at the world, like really, because like, cause it makes sense, you know, like you're a young adult, like you're in the world for the first time, like there's no college anymore, there's no grad school or whatever, like you're just like out there in the world and you see things for the first time, like as an adult and you kind of feel a little out of control and it's, yeah, it's it's really disconcerting. And of course everyone reacts differently to that. Um, but I think, yeah, like I I get it, I get it. And I I do, I definitely commend you for for coming, like for, for, feeling like you've moved past some of that stuff which is very difficult to do a lot of people carry that with them for the rest of their lives so I think you know I think it's important to take stock of how much you've grown um for me I went in a slightly different direction where I became deeply deeply uh depressed and um I had some suicidal ideation and and all sorts of like mental health issues that kind of came up I call those my dark ages (laughs) And I like to look back and and see like it's it's a, it's really remarkable to look back and kind of see how far down I had gone and then how like where I am now and how like a lot of those things feel very very far away now and I love that and um and I think it's a testament to you know it wasn't it wasn't like I just woke up happy one day you know <laughs> like it it took time it was a it was a slow progression upwards and i love it i love that i celebrate that like that kind of that kind of growth and journey is so vital and and i think um i think it's really important like you said like to to be able to look back and and kind of remember the journey so that the journey forward is different you can choose what
0: kind of journey you want and i i think i don't know who said this but um you know being human hurts being human is to suffer, but you know it's it's what we are and <laughs> and um, you know, coming to terms with that, coming to terms with the fact that you know there are there are gonna be bad times, there are gonna be times where I feel like you know lockdown, especially like oh oh my goodness, like lockdown twenty twenty was like some of the worst periods of my life, I was like having you know, literal, literal breakdowns. And I was just like, Mm. everything was shut down. You couldn't go out. And it's like, you know, you were just stuck at home and it just ate at me. Like it, it eats at you. Like people don't understand like how, how hard that was, but I look back on that and, 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 and I, and I'm thankful that I managed to survive that because I I said, Um. you know, I, I can do, I can do like two things. Either I can just sit, sit around and wallow all day, or I can, you know push through it and it and it wasn't easy but I did push through it and and like I said many times before like I mean if you go back and listen to like all the episodes I did in like 2020 you can tell like I I was going through a lot of shit when I was recording those <laughs> episodes but but everyone was and it's like well documented growth <laughs> yeah but I mean but I mean everyone was and yeah. and the fact that I that I kept you know doing it you know the fact that I still kept doing the podcast regardless Mm -hmm. and and believe you me there are times there are many times where i wanted to quit there are many times where i just wanted to say oh this is this is a waste of time this is stupid you know why am i why why am i bother, why am i bothering but then i you know i do these episodes and and i'm doing them consistently now compared to you know three years ago and i just i just feel like you know what i i love doing this and and i don't want to stop doing this because it, it makes me you know it makes me happy it makes me like find joy you know in, in a world that's pretty much gone gone to hell at this point
1: well well i think like that it's... is the heart of it though like i i like i mean we're kind of getting into like i don't know if you're into like eastern philosophy but like buddhism and like that kind of stuff but we're kind of getting into like that area a little bit in terms of like the concept of of like suffering and like being a being like an integral human condition and it's really it's not about never suffering or not suffering like suffering is is vital essential and and um inevitable and it's almost like it it, it's what helps you cultivate deep empathy as well and compassion like the more you've suffered the more compassion you can have for others and compassion is really beautiful and really positive. I mean, it's love essentially, right? And it's it's more like you can't reach that level of like love and happiness, you know, unless you've kind of felt that contrast of pain and suffering. And it's like coming through out of that is like how you kind of reach out to others, how you connect. It's It's the thing that kind of unites all of us and it's like both sides of it right it's the pain and the compassion it's like you can't have one without the other and and that is like the vital essence of humanity it's what connects all of us together and yeah I don't know I think it's I think it's really lovely
0: I mean that's screenwriting 101 where it's like you know there cannot there cannot be tragedy without um happiness or, or vice versa
1: <laughs> mm-hmm mm-hmm
0: because that's that's basically you know the, hero, the hero's journey where there's always going right. to be a point where yeah what was it the second act low point that's what they call it you know where everything seems lost, lost and then you know yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean it, it is really funny like being being a screenwriter as well like it's like and a, like it is funny to kind of watch how much literally life reflects art and art reflects life like, sometimes <laughs> like um There's a quote, uh, there's a quote, I'm going to mess it up. It's like, um, everything is all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. Have you heard that before?
0: No, I haven't. Uh,
1: um, And it's, you know, it's a nice, you know, squishy, sweet, saccharine, feel good little quote, but it's, um, I really love it, but it always makes me think of like, think of like my, my life in, in movies like, not like my entire life. I mean, you could possibly think of your entire life as a movie as well. But like, it's fun to think of like chapters in your life as entire movies. And you're like, oh yes, like, you know, this is the midpoint of, <laughs> of that particular chapter of my, you know, relationship or whatever it is. And um, I don't know, it's it's funny. Like, I don't know if you use Blake Snyder's beat sheet at all, but sometimes I find myself like finding the beats of my life (laughs) it's really funny i think it's funny i guess i'm living a comedy i don't know
0: (laughs) but i mean that's that's another thing is like i i feel like especially during the pandemic going back and watching a lot of shows and movies and being like yeah i can totally view certain characters differently or situations differently because you know you being being in that position being like oh i Kinda of understand where uh, that person is coming from, and vice versa. Where before, you know, when I was in my twenties, oh man, I was, I was like very terrible when it came, you know, when when it came to media criticism. When it came to in my twenties, where where I just refused to, to see anything beyond surface level. I'm like, oh, this is terrible. Why do people like this? And then, you know, getting older and understanding, oh no, this is actually really brilliant. <laughs>
1: Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy. That's so good.
0: I because that. I mean, yeah. that was my experience with like last of us, because I remember when that game came out, I, I just didn't understand why people were so infatuated with it. But then it took me like, I think years later to be like, Oh no, this game is actually really brilliant. <laughs> and I was an idiot for doubting it.
1: <laughs> I feel like I felt that way about, um, uh, Oh my gosh, what's the Oh my gosh. What is the name of that movie? Oh. Casablanca.
0: Uh, it's a
1: classic. Yes. Oh my god, how did you read my mind? Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. That's how I felt about Casablanca. When I saw Casablanca, I was so pissed off. I hated it. I was angry about it. Like not just like, oh, I didn't like it. I was like Passionately angry about it, and I was like, "Why didn't she just tell him the truth?" And like, it's just a lack of communication. It's so frustrating. And then as I got older, you know, you just like you kind of understand like the I don't know, just the little, the delicious little minutiae of nuance of of feelings and love and connection and conflict and inner conflict and 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 you know you just like appreciate it on a different level, but like yeah, yeah. Baby Punam was like Casablanca sex, man.
0: <laughs> uh, it's interesting because you know watching because I watched that you know, a couple of years ago, and it's such a fascinating movie. It's it's literally like a play, yeah. But but it's but it's a film, and it's I love it. I, and I don't and I don't and I don't think that anything can can come close to that. It's like. Where it feels like a live theater production, but it's a movie. I can't think of anything that comes comes close to that in feeling anyway.
1: That's really interesting. I'll have, to, I'll have to think about that. I mean, I feel like a lot of the older movies in that time period kind of have the same feel. Um but but maybe, I don't know, maybe it is unique in that aspect. I'll have to I'll have to go back and watch it again. But yeah, no, I love it now. But yeah, man, I hated it long time I was like yeah but uh but I but it wasn't like all old movies like um I took a Orson Wells class um when I was still in school and there's an amazing movie called The Magnificent Magnificent Ampersons I think it was called you know what it was called but like it was so funny I loved that movie because the ending is really freaking weird. It's like really weird. And it was because Orson Welles like had an ending for it. It was, like a, it was like a movie about like old money, new money, capitalism, and like that kind of stuff. And the studio came in and was like, no, like this is not how the movie can end. And so he had to like shoot a completely like different ending. And it was like such a fuck you to the studio. Like it was just like the worst ending ever. It was like the few people just like, Came forward towards the camera with like cheesiest grins in, on their faces. It made no sense. It was ridiculous, and I don't know. I just loved it. I was just like rolling on the floor laughing. Like I was like, "This is amazing." I hope I have balls like Orson Welles one day.
0: <laughs> no, I, I I I love Orson Welles because you know he is like a genius, but he's also like one of the worst people to ever to ever grace, Debra grace the, the the world because he's just but when people say he's difficult to work with no that's an understatement the dude was. that's the of, pc version because <laughs> because because i don't know if you've seen the documentary uh they'll love me when i'm dead but that that's that's um that's such a good that that's such a good i mean it's a documentary about orson and his and his unfinished film you know it's on netflix and it's
1: Oh gosh i'll have to
0: check it out and it's just really amazing because this dude was oh god this dude just burnt every bridge in uh, in hollywood and he didn't give a fuck it's amazing oh that's so
1: great i love it
0: and of course we can't forget about the the pinnacle of his career um drunk and wells
1: <laughs> oh oh how could never forget drunk and wells
0: <laughs> oh the french champagne <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh man yeah well you know it's really interesting like there's another thing that's kind of speaking of like growing up in 20s and 30s and stuff like that like i feel like another big kind of major change is is that kind of that feeling of like fuck it like where like there's a lot of I don't know if you experience this, but like I know some of my friends and I have talked about like how there's this like people pleasing side and like the side where you want everybody to like you but then as you get older like you kind of just like want to be polarizing and I feel like you know it's actually like you realize it's a good thing to be polarizing because then It's like, if people don't like you, then they don't like you for you. And that's fine. And then if people do like you, then they really like you for you. And that's great. You know, whereas if you're kind of like, you just try to like be run of the mill, everybody gets along with everybody, then it's like, people just kind of like, like you, but they don't, they're not really connecting. And and it actually hurts a little bit more when they don't like you because you're trying so hard to be liked. But if you're just like, eh, this is me, this is who I am. Oh, you don't like me? Okay, fuck off, bye. And you're just done. And I feel like I have more of an appreciation for people who are like very, very, very polarizing like Orson Welles Now that I'm kind of like, oh, I get it. I understand why this is so good and positive and and necessary, like vital. Um, yeah.
0: You but that's that's cool. why, like, um, you know, April Winchell is one of my favorite people alive because she was always that I she always had that I didn't give a fuck attitude when it came mm. to everything she did. Where it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, she did all those cartoons and and everything, but I remember when she was doing radio, you know, she got in trouble because you know she wouldn't take calls, and and the and the radio station was like, you know, we want. You want audience engagement, and she's like, "No, I don't, I don't care. You know, I want to talk about the dumbest shit imaginable." <laughs> because you know, it was during the writer's strike. um yeah. You know, in in, in around the two thousands, in the early two thousands, late nineties, early two thousands, like no one was making cartoons anymore. So she's like, "Okay, what am I going to be doing? Um, I'm going to be doing like, um, you know, let's just do radio." And you know, she got she got a spot on radio, and. It was just her and her friend Roy just shooting the shit about the dumbest, dumbest stuff ever and doing like these just things that like they just didn't give a fuck and just listening to those listening to those archives just made me really appreciate her as a person because I just love that attitude. I just love that. I don't give a fuck attitude. I'm going to be me. And and that's what I do with this show where it's like, I don't care if I end up talking about the dumbest shit with with the person. You know, I don't care. And I don't care if like I ended up like I ended up alienating, alienating someone like last year and and they were like, oh, you're you weren't ready to have a conversation with me. And I'm like, okay, fuck you then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah, the world is bigger than that, you know, and it's like there's there's no like there's no time to just fuck around, like just be yourself, speak your truth and just go for it. People don't like it. Okay. Bye. Fuck off. Like, I, you know, go like, I wish you all the best, go do what you need to do. Just get out of my way. Like I got shit to do, you know? I, I think that as I get older, I like, yeah, my patience for bullshit is like, man, it is dwindling. (laughs) I just, I just can't anymore, but I like it. I like this feeling.
0: Yeah, no, I totally agree with you because and, and another person I really like is Frida Wolf because, you know, Frida Wolf will tell you will tell you how it is. It's like, you know, you ask her anything about voice acting, she's like, "Yeah, I'll tell you everything you need to know about it." And she doesn't like sugarcoat the details. She's like, "Yeah, I, you know, I play Loba on, you know, uh, what was it? Apex Legends, but she just flat out says, you know, when I'm doing Loba, when I'm doing the commands, I need to be understood because being able to being, uh, having the player understand you is more important than diversity sometimes. And I'm like, fuck yes. <laughs> it's she's amazing. I love her.
1: That's so cool. Oh, I'll have to check her out.
0: Yeah, no, she, she's great. You know, she's, she's, you know, she's on Owl House, you know, she did the voice <laughs> of the the collector on that. And oh, nice. Yeah, I mean, she's, 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 she's amazing because she just doesn't give a fuck. I love her Twitter. She's yeah. just like, tells it like it is she doesn't care it's like it's like yeah i want to (laughs) like because i remember when stranger things you know came out she was just tweeting about that all day and i'm like yeah you do you. i love it
1: yes i love that i love people like that that's awesome
0: because we need more of that because i don't like again this is just me but i don't like it when we sacrifice ourselves to become a brand like I want to mm. talk to the person. I don't want to talk to the brand. I don't care for the brand. Your brand is shit. Can I talk to the person?
1: <laughs> I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't I like I still don't really understand the brand. Like are I I thought like I am the brand, right? Like we are like each of us are our own brands. Like like I don't know. I feel like I get confused when people are like when the people start talking that kind of stuff. I'm just like I there I'm me there's no one else like me cuz it's impossible and that's it that's it like you can and you can totally like if you're if you're worried about casting or whatever if that's what the brand is for like it's like as soon as you hear me you you know how you're going to cast me like you know what I mean like it's, you don't have to have a brand i don't
0: know that's just me no no i totally agree with you because like i mean if you're going to hire Tara Strong you know what you're going to get with Tara Strong. If you're going to hire Kari Walgren, you know what you're getting with her. You know what you're going to get,
1: yeah. Like that, she is the brand. Like they are the brand.
0: Like, so I feel like
1: it's like a, I don't know. I feel like it's like a weird like thing that like was like well-intentioned to help people like hone in something. And maybe it does work for, for a lot of people, but I just feel like it's one of those things in the industry where it's like, If it works for you, great. If it makes sense and it makes you come alive and like you get it and you want to talk about it, power to you, like do it. But if it's confusing and it doesn't feel good and it makes you feel like you're trapped or boxed in, then fuck it. Just do you. Like do what feels right and good to you and that's how you're going to succeed. You're not going to succeed by cramping yourself into someone else's box. So yeah, you know, but some people love it. And if they do, then awesome, do it but it really again <laughs> using your emotions as the gps like feels good great you're on the right track feels bad move away
0: run away step away and that's another thing is like you know don't look at stuff that you that you know is going to make you angry cuz that's that's not mm. productive that's that's oh, yeah. that's really uh, <laughs> i hate when people do that i hate i hate when people just want to complain for the sake of complaining when i'm just like yeah. Can you not? (laughs) Can you not do that?
1: (laughs) Yeah, man, that is a tough one. But that is another like big lesson, I feel like of the last the last few years. I like I love politics. I've always been like super involved. But after the 2016 election, I had to take a major backseat to like current affairs and politics and news and everything just for my mental health. Like it was too much. And I'm so glad that I like, it's not like I don't pay attention to anything. Like I still stay involved, but I stay involved up until my personal like capacity and I don't read things. Well, I try not to, I mean, it's impossible to get, not get sucked in sometimes, but like, you know, there's a difference between like being aware and there, and then like just going down rabbit holes of horribleness just to perpetuate certain feelings or ideas or whatever and uh yeah it's a it's a tough thing but I think practicing that earlier like after the 2016 election I think actually helped me a little bit once we got into the pandemic of kind of being able to um I don't know sift through a little bit more carefully um but uh but yeah but that is something that I talk about a lot with a lot of people because because there are a lot of people who feel like you know not, not because they want to complain, but because they're afraid if they like, don't look away or no, they're afraid if they do look away, like, you know, that is like doing a disservice to whatever, like vision they hold for themselves. But it's like, you really can't be a positive force in this world and make things happen for the better if you are constantly stuck in the mire of that whole, like the shit of like, just the lies and the misinformation and the fighting and the fighting with people who don't understand and like talking past each other, like that is not productive. It's not productive. So, you know, of course, have your opinions, seek things out, you know, but also just like have an awareness of is this serving myself is this serving the world is this serving the community like, or am I just like spinning my wheels for no reason? And the person who's suffering is myself. Like, no, <laughs> you know, you gotta, everyone's got to find that for themselves. Of course. Like you can't really teach that, but, uh, but it's
0: interesting. Yeah. I, I just, I just don't like the fact that I'm, mean, I'm not saying like, okay, don't care about anything. Obviously, no, you course. know, obviously yeah. that's not the case. And And I've said this before. I do think like, it, it's the same thing with media criticism. Like when, when we mm. criticize media, we got to make sure like we're doing it in a productive way and not just this thing is terrible because, because I say so no, it's like, you know, it's tough. It really is because you don't want to give into anger. You don't want to be you know reactionary to everything, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's hard not to fall into down that rabbit hole and, and just end up like hate listening to something, you know, that's gonna, it's gonna make you angry. And it's like, why am I doing this? It's <laughs> this not productive. Yeah.
1: I mean, we've all been there, right? Like, let's be honest. Like we've all been there, but yeah, yeah, ultimately it comes down to like catching yourself as soon as you can in the process of doing that and being like, yeah, who does this serve? Like, is this, is this going to benefit anybody? Is this going to benefit me? Or what can I do that's actually going to like, help make me feel better, like, make me be able to do something good. Like, but we all have to kind of police ourselves in that, like, it's not helpful when other people do it for you, you know, so like, you have to be aware of that as well. (laughs) I think that's always a tricky line. But, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's not helpful.
0: I mean, it's good to have friends who are like, yeah, you shouldn't you probably shouldn't post that.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh no. Yeah, of course. Of course. But uh, yeah. And it's important to have the friends that you can trust too, like who will always tell you the truth, you know, who like see through your bullshit and love you. And like, you know, that they love you. So you can take, like, you can take it when they tell you the truth. I think that's so vital. Those friends. Oh, they're my favorite. (laughs)
0: Yeah, you those are that. those are the type of people you want to have around you because I feel like, and I've talked about this before, but I really cannot stand toxic posit- positivity. Mm. I don't like this idea of like, oh, I don't want to criticize this person because they're my friend and I want to let them down easy. No, it's like if they're doing something stupid, you, you got to be like, look, I, I love you and I and I respect you, but you know, stop, stop being so fucking stupid.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, I think, I think that's very, very important. Like I, um, I'm, I'm generally a very like optimistic, positive person, but I think that there's a, there's a very important distinction between like positivity that is organic and positivity that is toxic. And I think, you know, I think toxic positivity ultimately stems from, um, from a dishonesty. Like if you feel like shit, you're not going to feel better if you pretend that you feel great. You're going to feel better when you're honest. Like I feel like shit right now. (laughs) That's when you open the door to release those feelings and actually like feel better. Like you have to hold space for those feelings. You have to, you have to make space for them and let them be there and acknowledge them. And then you can release them. But if you're just like, covering it up and pushing it down and covering it with like, no everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is great. I love everything. I love you. I love life. Like life is great. It's like, uh, first of all, it's super dishonest and there's nothing everyone hates except dishonesty or ingenuity. And like just people hate when people are inauthentic. I would rather be with someone who's authentically like, I hate my life. I'm like, oh, well, at least you're real. I like that. rather than someone who's pretending that life is great. Like I I have compassion for them. And I think we've all been there too sometimes, but like, you know, you have to, if you really want to feel good and positive and and whatever, you have to be willing to sit with your horribleness because we all have horribleness in us and it's okay. Like we need to, Um, but you gotta hold space for it. Be like, yeah, I'm angry you know, sit with the anger, be with the anger, hold space. Your anger is trying to tell you something, be with it. I feel sad. Yeah, it sucks, sucks to feel sad, but yeah, hold space for your sadness. Be there, sit with your sadness. It's okay. And then you can let it go and feel the relief and, you know, move into something more positive. But like, you can't just jump over all of that. You can't just jump into joy. (laughs) You just can't. I
0: mean, you can't live your life as like, as like you're constantly on Instagram, you know, it's, it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. You can't just show the, the positive and nothing else, because that's, that's the reason I just don't like Instagram because there's people just show the positive and nothing else. And I'm like, yeah, I know that's all fake. I know it's not real. I know that you're selling me on an on an illusion of perfect, of perfectness, but you know, but it's not perfect. And I have more respect for people who just, who are just like, yeah, I, I'm going through shit and, you know, I'm, I'm being honest about it. That's why like, I, I like, that's why I prefer people who, who, you know, the voice actors in the industry who say, you know, what's on their mind because I know, okay, that's a person compared to someone who just tries to avoid everything and just focus on the positive because yeah, I know that's not real. I know that's not real.
1: Yeah. I think, I think, um, I think I actually, I feel a little differently about social media, like unpopular opinion, but like I actually feel like social media is like the new mask we wear. Like in the past, you know, we didn't have social media, but we had regular socializing in person and you still wear a mask. Like you haven't seen someone and you run into them in the street and they're like, hey, what's up? And you're like, oh, hey, it's so good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. This is all fine and real and very superficial, but there's nothing wrong with that. That's just like how humans interact. And I feel like Instagram is kind of like that, where it's like, yeah, like I can put all my shit out there or I can put like the best things in my life out there. And I don't think that's the worst thing in the world because of what you actually just said, which is we all know that that is just one tiny piece of someone's world. And if we all know that this is only one tiny piece of someone's world and that there's a whole complex human being out there, like yeah, I don't need to see their dirty laundry unless they want to share it with me and and then I'll hold space with them. But like, I get it. Like, you know, I like, yeah, if you want to, if you want to show me pictures of, of your amazing food, because you like putting that out in the world and and you like seeing pictures of amazing food and your food was really amazing and you just want to share it. Great. Cool. And if I don't like it, then I'll just scroll past it. It's up to me to be like, yeah, this doesn't make me feel good. So I'm just gonna keep moving. You know what I mean? But I think it's like, I don't think there's anything like, I think think no matter how humans interact, there is always a mask. Like you don't, you put on different masks for different situations and social media is just another mask that you put on. And I don't know if, I don't know if it's like a realistic thing to ask people to bear their souls. Because we don't bear our souls even in real life, um, we bear our souls for select individuals, right? Like, like the people who are closest to me know the depths of my pain and suffering, but my 150,000 followers on TikTok don't need to know how much I suffer day to day.
0: Yeah, no, that that is true. Because you know, I I just post like whatever thought is is in my mind, you know, mm. on Twitter or where, wherever. But you know privately i i'm I'm talking to people I know personally via d m s and I'm you know bearing my soul out to them because I'm like i trust you and and yeah, yeah I know it's a lot, but i you know
1: <laughs> I am yeah. who i
0: am <laughs> no
1: totally totally like i i i i think you know I think it's important to to and that's what I think I really love about it. it's like if it if you want to bear your soul, do it right. But, it, but I think it's, I think it's, I think it's weird. And I think it's a little bit of a trap when people expect that. And, and they, you know, it's like, we all know this is fake. We all know that like, no one's life is a hundred percent positive and Instagram perfect. But if that's the vision of your life that you want to put out there to the world, like, I'm like, that's cool. Like, okay. Like that's, that's your like positive vision. Like, that's really cool. Maybe one day I'll get to know you as a real human being and like, you know we'll have a real conversation and i'll see you for you like i'm sure people look at my instagram and like have a totally different like understanding of who i am than who i am like when you meet the 100% 3d kind of person but i think like that's a good thing like you know i think it would be very weird if someone could like look at my instagram and be like i know exactly who punambasu is <laughs> like i'd be like whoa that's freaky <laughs> this is just the it's just the cover of my book <laughs> <laughs> I just need you to, re- you know, you got to gotta meet me in person to read the whole novel, but, like, I'm glad you like the cover.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree because, again, it's just – because sometimes I want to judge people based on, you know, their social, their social media posts, but I remember, wait, that's just, like, one part of it. Yeah. Like, I want to listen to what, what someone has to say first before I judge them. And if they're yeah. saying, like, something really terrible, then I'm like, okay, yeah, <laughs> you know, this person is – Obviously right. not worth not worth my time or anybody's time for that matter, and yeah, <laughs> you know, so yeah. but, but I mean if also they're, like oh, but but, if they're, but I mean but if they're saying something i I don't agree with, but I find it interesting, I'm like, okay, I'm willing to meet them halfway mhm, mhm, yeah, so
1: totally no i think I think social media is a really interesting way, like new way that humans have created to like interact with each other. And I don't think it's all good. And I don't think it's all bad. You know, I don't think there's an answer. I don't think things were necessarily better or worse before. I think it's just like the evolution of human communication and interaction. And I think, you know, we just got to kind of take it for what it is. It's like, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like the only constant is change. So human interaction, human communication is evolving. And this is part of the evolution. And it is what it is like, it's going to have its pitfalls. I mean, I Facebook is the worst when you like get into like political stuff on Facebook. Oh my god, like it's so toxic and horrible. But My mom is on Facebook and I can't get off of Facebook because my mom finally got on Facebook just a few years ago. And like, I can't ditch her, you know? And so, like, I'm still on there. Like, I do what I do, but it's like pretty, like, minimum. I mostly just like post directly from Instagram to Facebook. And then Instagram, you know, it's its own thing. And Twitter is its own thing. And TikTok is its own thing. And like, they're all just like different ways to connect with other human beings. And each one is only a tiny facet of the, Multitude of facets that each human being has, right? So, like, you go on TikTok and you get like a piece of me, and you go to Instagram and you get like a piece of me. But when you get to know me as a person over time, like, oh my gosh, like it's so much more complex than you would ever get from any of that. But that's not unlike any other interaction. Like, you know, you meet someone in class and they're your classmate, you only get the classmate facet of them, right? It's still, it's still, you only, You'll always only get a piece of a person, and it doesn't mean it's dishonest. Like the TikTok personality I I have is totally me, but so is the Instagram one, and you know, so is the part of me that's like a little cynical. <laughs> but I don't really put my cynicism out there all the time. But uh, but that's definitely one of my dimensions. You know, it's just yeah, I don't know. <sighs>
0: that's that's life um anyway i'm I'm looking at the time and I realized they were been talking for like an hour and, yeah. a, and, and thirty something minutes, and uh you know I, I feel like I don't want to keep you any longer than you should. Be. oh, I
1: appreciate that, yeah, I should probably run, <laughs> yeah, but this yeah. was so lovely. Thank you so yeah. much for having me on your podcast. It was really lovely chatting with you so much. I lost track of time.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know uh we got to do it again sometime um Would love that. going like can you give us an update on what you're currently working on and where can people find you online?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at I am Punam Basu, and um, and Twitter as well as, but I, I don't really use Twitter very often. But I am on there, um, and yeah, I have. I'll be at the Anime Matsuri Con- convention in Texas at the end of July. So if you guys are in Texas, I'd love to meet you in person. Um, and then I'm doing a streamily signing with my psychonauts cast um july 9th you can go to streamly.com slash psychonauts or streamly.com slash to find some gisu prints if you're a psychonauts fan um but i'd love to meet you virtually on that as well so um i think those are the two like voiceover things coming up um, i'm also in a st- digital stage reading play at center theater group right now that's uh playing on the center theater group website until the end of the month. If you want to check that out, it's a beautiful play called Palmyra by Daria Palatin. And, um, and yeah, it, it has Emily Swallow and Amir Arison, Hunter Ball, and me in the cast. And it's really, really beautiful play. And if you want to check it out, it's a stage reading that we did last year when the theater community was completely shut down. And um, and yeah, we filmed it at the Kirk Douglas Theater. And yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful play. And Yeah, Uh, I'd love to connect with you guys, and
0: that's it. Also, you're still on Genshin, so if you want Genshin, you can find her there as well.
1: (laughs) Yes, for sure. (laughs) All
0: right, thank you so much for taking the time off to do this. This has been wonderful, and uh, if you you ever want to come back, you know where to find me.
1: Amazing, I'd love that. Have a great day.
0: All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye.